You're listening to a podcast of spurious morality. Welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Johnston, and with me I have Connor. Hello. And I also have Mansour. Hello. And we are returning to Nest Cottage for one last time. We've already done Hornet's Nest, we've already done Demon Quest, and now we're on Serpent Crest, the finale of, well, the third series, and I guess the finale of Nest Cottage, uh, because Tom went and did Big Finish after that. Um... So uh, for my money, this is the best of the three. I really, really like this. I really, really like all three of them. But this is, I think, by far the best for reasons that we'll discuss over the next sort of hour or so. Um, let's let's dive straight in and let's go to the first episode, which I think is an awful lot of fun. We get a bit of uh, sort of Tom Baker played Rasputin jokery going on and uh, it's... It, it 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 starts um, a very different series to the previous two, I think. So we're talking about Star Wars. Love the name. Um, Connor, do you want to go first? Yes, um, I really, really like this one. Um, it feels a bit strange because I think, is it the only, I, I might be very wrong in this. I'm sure someone will correct me if I am. But is it the first and only episode of the series that isn't either present day or historical on Earth. It's the only sort of um, science fiction outer space story um, in the in the entire series. It's also the only one without narration as well. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It's 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 great. I love getting to hear doctors, you know, playing double roles, and Tom Baker is 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 great playing Father Gregory in this. Um, Coming, you know, we're roughly about a year after Power of the Doctor, and and we saw the, you know, the Romanoffs and the Sarn, the Serena in it. Um, I did find myself sort of envisioning at least the Serena from Power of the Doctor. Um, when I was listening to this one, um, and very very strange to hear Michael Jaston playing uh, the Sar. Um, but very welcome as well. I, I I love hearing Doctor Who cast members turning up in other roles as well. Um. Certainly, it's, you know, I was going to say more villainous roles. This Sar's not just quite as villainous as the uh, the uh, the Valyard, um, but it's great, and I I like that this uh, starts a little bit of a pivot away from um, the Hornets, and I like that this sets up the Skistari as a new villain. Um, I really really liked it. Um, I I I I did manage to forget when I was listening to the later episodes. That this was that that all the Nest Cottage stuff is very closely linked um, within their own little series. Uh, Hornet's Nest is all very connected. Um, 
And I kept having having to remind myself that this was what had kicked off this series. Um, But it's a great episode. I really enjoyed listening to it. And it's a lot of fun hearing the Doctor and Mrs. Wibsey again being that sort of Doctor and companion uh, duo. The two of them feel very, very firm and fast friends now. It's... I I really like that that pairing of the two of them. Susan Jameson has been wonderful the whole way throughout, but I think this series is where she really has come into her own as as uh, as the Doctor's companion. I think this is a, a really really good one uh, for Wibsy actually, and you know now fully fledged companion. We've kind of talked about in the other episodes we did how she kind of went from the Doctor's housekeeper background character to turning into a companion, and by this stage she is definitely without a doubt a companion. Uh, so much so that I don't miss uh, Mike Yates in this. He's not in it. Um, he is obviously later in the series. He pops up towards the end, but he's not in this one at all. And even in Demon Quest, when he wasn't in it, we still got a voicemail left or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, you don't notice that he's not there. And it, it's you know no fault of the Mike Yates character. It's just because Mrs. Wibsey is so well established now and such a great character and you know she can stand on her own two feet as a an original companion i think is absolutely brilliant well just on that thing about yeah wibsy becoming it's it's like a big reversal from where it started in um uh hornet's nest because yeah you had mike coming in uh being that sort of companion role uh and now it's very much reversed i know mike is in like two out of the five of these but if you think of this as like a short version of a tv series it does very much feel like he's the guest star who's coming back for that finale um in the way that all those companions came back for journey's end um and yeah Wibsy is the, the the main companion for the series um <clears throat> yeah i really enjoyed this I, I sort of struggled to like rank it or compare it to the other two runs of five uh i think they're all they've all got uh I think across the 15 episodes altogether, they all do like a really nice diversity of, of settings and tones and, you know, pastiches of different genres. And um, I was thinking of kind of what you said about like space. I think that like technically the end of Demon Quest is in space, but that doesn't really feel like spacey space because it's like a kind of um, a sort of scary uh alternative um sort of realm sort of feel for that that sepulcher um but yeah i think generally yeah you are right it's like the sort of tone of nest cottage is generally different parts of earth history um yeah uh and i thought like like when i first heard it i, I, I sort of thought it, it i liked it but it, I, I liked the other four episodes more um but looking back it was uh uh, yeah, nice strong start. The um, Tom Baker playing Rasputin is that a reference to him playing that somewhere else? I feel like it is. Or uh, yes, with another. He played Rasputin in. It was before he was the Doctor. It was a film called uh, Nicholas and Alexandria, I think. Right. Yeah, I thought there was something um, that was. So that's that's kind of where it's going. Am I am I correct in saying that not only is this I, I feel like I must be wrong, but I remember reading somewhere that this reunited some of the other cast members from that film. I think they had possibly... I'm just going to look up um, to see, but I think... And, and Father Gregory, that's... If I remember right, it's just kind of left... There's no 
like sci-fi explanation for it. It's just like the Abbot or Salamander. It's just another random doppelganger that the Doctor has. Or, or was there some explanation that I've forgotten? No, I think it's just in the same vein as, like you say, the Abbot and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, strong, strong start, um, and it's it's it sort of maintains a bit of a link with uh, you know Nest Cottage being Earth centric by yeah setting it in space, but it's like a, a sort of spacey version of uh, you know, Russian um, aristocracy. So it's like yeah, it's it sort of still feels like of a piece with the rest of the series it's it's definitely sort of i think straight away it's very clear that it's setting up a different kind of series to the previous two you know demon quest was setting up something very different to hornet's nest but uh this i think is it's even more out there it is very very different it's it is as connor said putting mrs wibsey into pretty much an entirely new setting and um we have moved on from the hornets now this is something different and yeah, just straight away we've got that we're, you know, with same characters, Nest Cottage is still going to be important, but we're doing something quite different this time. And I, I think that's a really good way of kicking off, really good things just established straight away. And it's it's a lot of fun as well. There are, I think there are quite a lot of kind of in-jokes in there. And I think the cover is um, a play on, is it Jeff Love and his orchestra sci-fi themes or something like that? Oh, you, you uh, mean the, the the artwork? Yeah, the cover artwork. It's I'm sure it's I this thought, one. I thought it was the Doctor holding the sonic screwdriver, kind of in the way that Luke holds it in like one of those classic Star Wars posters. Yeah, but it's so it, it the poster was done in a very sort of unofficial we're getting around copyright kind of way for this Jeff Love and his orchestra sci-fi themes album that came out in presumably the late 70s 80s um so the cover of this is a parody of that uh which I'll I'll fire out a tweet of the original record cover at some point when this episode's online. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's a call, a call back to that. I just want to interrupt at this stage and say that I've gone and done some looking on Wikipedia, and I was right. Uh, Michael Jason did play the Tsar in Nicholas and Alexandra. There we go then. So yeah, it's it's chock full of references. This one, it, it's there's definitely some sort of tongue in cheek stuff going on, um, and brilliantly done too. Uh, shall we move on to the Broken Crown then, which uh, kind of immediately follows this story? And, you know, we've got stuff about the egg set up now and the Doctor and Mrs. Wibsey have a mission. They've got a thing to do um, like they have previously. And we, we return to Hexford now, but not quite in the right time. Um, so, Connor, again, you take the lead. Go for it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one uh, as well. Um, it took me a minute or two to realise um, just who um, the Andrew and Mr. Bewley were. I didn't twig that they were Alex and Berlin from Star, uh, Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars. Um, but once I got there, I was very, very pleased um, to, to realise that that was going to be the recurring thing was these two characters. Um, coming back uh, across the series. Um, 
there's a little bit it's it's almost like a victorian take on the star beast because you have this little group of kids discovering crash chip and alien uh it's not an alien being as such um but it's the skishtari egg um and that that reminded me an awful lot of the star beast while i was listening to it um there's also slight elements of that I have forgotten the name of it, but it's the Twilight. It's one of those really famous Twilight Zone episodes that they've done tons of sequels to in the later versions of it. Um, about the town that's all terror, that where all the adults are terrified of this one little kid. And I think there's shades of that in there as well. Uh, unfortunately, I've forgotten the name of that episode, but I, I believe it's a very famous Twilight Zone episode, um, which feels like maybe it was a little bit of an influence here. Um, great story. Um, very horrific sort of visuals um with with andrew slash alex with uh, his paper masks um but i very very strong and it was nice to hear uh the earlier version of hexford um and i, th- I think it was this episode as well where the doctor sort of finds nest cottage as well which was quite nice um getting that little bit of uh sort of a closed loop coming in where the doctor creates his own holiday home uh, back in the past and and arranges for it to be built um which was which was very fun so yes enjoyed this an awful lot yeah it's a great little continuation of the story and it does have all of this kind of origin of nest cottage stuff which i uh i think's pretty neat really you know we've had nest cottage for two two plus series already and it just kind of it, it tells you a little bit about where nest cottage came from because the notion of the Doctor owning a house, I know that we've had Baker Street sort of repeatedly come up uh, throughout Big Finish and stuff, but the notion of him having this little cottage in the home counties is kind of, um, it's a bit strange, so it's kind of good to know where it came from. Uh, Mansell, what are your thoughts on it? Um, uh, by the way, I just looked up that Twilight Zone episode and it's called It's a Good Life, and there's a picture of the, the kids sort of pointing at someone creepily um but yeah I, I like this one it had like a really sort of um those sorts of 90s bbc cbbc uh you know spooky children's shows or things like uh the box of delights it had a kind of um feel of those sorts of things about it with uh um yeah with the narration and um yeah just the tone um yeah and i uh yeah, like I said, I like that kind of little bit of continuity and history of, of going back. And um, and it's not just kind of like a nice um, sort of um, paradox or closed loop that they're introducing. Uh, like I said, it is sort of unique to have the Doctor attached to um, a home. Like he sort of actively resisted that in so many other stories. Um, and Nest Cottage, he doesn't just kind of see it as like a because I always feel like Baker Street is like a kind of like somewhere where he's just crashing temporarily whereas Nest Cottage in these stories he talks about it a lot more fondly like he talks about it as his home um like almost in the same way that he talks about the TARDIS uh sometimes um so yeah it was nice to get the the origin origin of that Uh, and I think in terms of how it works for the whole story I think these these five episodes move things along quite nicely each time as well. You get the plot expanding and uh, and and moving along at quite a nice pace as well. 
I think that just sort of going what you were mentioning about Baker Street, I think that if anybody actually um, sort of sat down and tried to work out the chronology of when the Doctor's at Baker Street, we'd end up with a unit dating level of sort of problem trying to figure it all out. I, I don't think there's any consistency in it at all there now. Whereas Nest Cottage, like you say, it's more of a home. Um, but yeah, Baker Street dating, if anyone has done a timeline of the doctor's visits to his house in Baker Street, then please do tweet it to us or something. Um, because I'm genuinely, no, I'm not interested. No, let's just, he's got a house on Baker Street and he's got Nest Cottage. There we go. Um, we'll move on and we'll move on to uh, the next episode in the run, which is Aladdin Time. Um, continuing the story, taking it into sort of a very fantastical um, area, kind of doing something, again, completely different. It's all kind of a play on uh, pantomime Aladdin and all that sort of thing. This one is pretty bonkers. You know, the Doctor's scarf is is a character and sort of takes on a serpent-like life. Um, I, I just think some of the ideas here and some of the imagery in this is excellent, considering it's an audio drama. Um a lot of fun to listen to. Another absolutely brilliant cast. I mean, it's all of Ness Cottage's sort of really well cast actors that you know. Um, so it's it kind of continues that tradition. Um, so Connor, go ahead. Yes, it sort of taps into that um, one thousand and one nights um, sort of tale. Um, picks up with Aladdin, um, who you know um, most people in this day and age are going to be familiar with. Um, I thought it was great. I really love the Doctor Scarf coming to life. That was that was really funny. Um, and very sinister as well. Funny and sinister in the way that Doctor Who does so well. Um, definitely appreciate the Bowie reference in the title. Um, with Aladdin time. Um, that was that was fantastic. Um. And there's a, it's 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 not in any way uh, a, an influence or anything, uh, just because of um, the way time works. Um, but this reminded me an awful lot of Baldur's Gate three with the narrator's voice sort of bringing you through the story. Almost, it's, in fact, it's not even almost. The Doctor specifically says he feels like he's being narrated through this story, and you know when the cliffhangers and all are added in. Um. So that that feels that that was great and it was very funny to imagine the doctor sort of reacting and gazing upwards at the narrator as she speaks, um, even though there's nothing there uh, in his scenes, as it were. Um, but uh, that 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 uh, I, I had a lot of fun coming up with, or not coming up with it, but uh, imagining that as I went through. Um, Forgot to mention, Terence Hardiman uh, was in is in this one. He was in the previous episode as well as the Reverend. Um, always a joy to hear the Demon Headmaster turning up uh, in things. Um, I was slightly after the original broadcast, but it was still being repeated when I was uh, little, and uh, he still fills me with absolute fear and dread. So uh, love hearing him turn up. Um, another great story. Um, I love that sort of slight Indiana Jones feel to it with the Doctor and Wibsy making their way through all the different caverns and caves full of treasure. Um, just very, very enjoyable. Really liked it. And what about you, Mansour? Um, yeah, I'd echo all of that. And there was like another sort of um, layer to this as well. Like, There's an explicit reference to Hispero and 
just the kind of um yeah the sort of inspiration by uh arabian nights like all of that was made me very nostalgic for like those uh those eighth doctor stories where uh i think it was um remember the name of the book but it was set on Hispero and it was the uh, the doctor meeting iris um iris wildtime in one of her earliest appearances um so yeah that was a nice little link back as well um but yeah again just that sort of weirdness and playfulness of the story is just a nice example of how like like yeah nest cottage has its own sort of feel and uh, vibe that it sticks to but within that it's also still really diverse and interesting sometimes it's definitely an experiment in sort of how many genres we can sort of nod to i guess um and play with yeah uh but it, it sort of it all builds together to tell this sort of fantastic story each series is this brilliant mostly self-contained story you could argue that that's what like doctor who is as well that like most of tv doctor who is uh like especially certain eras of the classic series, it's just like a series of homages or riffs on various genres, like you know horror or comedy and um, like action adventure. It's yeah, it's it's kind of what Doctor Who does in general. I guess so. Yeah, I think that particularly with classic Doctor Who, you tend to get stuff kind of bunched together a lot more, so you get a lot of horror around seasons. 13 14 15 and you get um yeah, yeah. you know like season 18 is very very science fictiony season 19 is a little bit more fairy tale i guess um and, and then se- I think, series yeah series five similarly has that fairy tale yes theme yeah very much the 11th doctor's fairy tale and you know right down to the Doctor being a fairy tale character to Amy and that kind of thing, um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's it's not focusing on one genre. It's kind of playing around and moving around, and I guess that's what makes this different. Um, let's let's move on to the big finale then, um, or the two part finale, I guess. The first part of the two part finale, which is the Hexford invasion. So this is fairly Dr. Light, or certainly fourth Dr. Light, um, because we are presented with what I think is one of the greatest things to come out of this series, and it's kind of a shame that we, we've we never had more of this, but we're kind of presented to a new second Doctor, uh, played by David Troughton. He's credited as the visitor uh, on the sleeve notes, I believe, so sorry if I've just spoiled that for you, but yes, David Troughton uh, plays uh, who we believe at this stage, at least, to be the second Doctor. Um, I think it's great. Sort of, it's it, it gets very sort of big and unity. Mike is back, like uh, you said earlier, Mansoor. It's kind of a like guest guest character returning for the finale. Mike Yates is back with Unit. Um, we're back in Hexford. There's some great stuff going on between the residents of Hexford. You know, we get to meet more of, I guess, Mrs. Wibsey's community, people that we've heard referenced or bitched about by her throughout, um, sort of finally become part of it. And we kind of learn fairly quickly that this this second Doctor has a has a nasty side that definitely isn't the second Doctor. So we're, we're kind of given hints that something a little more is going on and that he's perhaps a bit of a, 
a bit of a bad guy or has his own agenda or whatever. Um, I have often described this and Survivors in Space, the following story, as a big, grand, huge-scale Russell T. Davis-like finale if it was done by Paul Mars. I guess that's kind of exactly what it is. Um, I, I just think that these two episodes are great. We will talk about them separately and we'll kind of do concluding thoughts along with the second. But yeah, I think these both of these episodes are absolutely great and they do do slightly different things. And I think that the fact that we now have an episode that's pretty much led by Mrs. Wibsey kind of shows just how far that character has come. She had a few lines in the very first episode and now she's she's kind of carrying the series on her own shoulders while the Doctor's off doing other things for a few months. Um, so let's talk about the Hexford invasion. Uh, Connor, you go first. I thought the whole uh, finale was fantastic. The star of it absolutely is David Troughton playing the second Doctor who ultimately turns out not to be the second Doctor. But he recreates Patrick Troughton's performance pretty effortlessly. Um, and it does take a little bit of time, I think, from it, it did take a little bit of time for me to adjust in the way it is done with big finish recasts as well. Um, but eventually you do settle in and you've no problem imagining the second Doctor um, as he looked and sounded in uh, uh, his original TV era. What this does so well is the second Doctor feels recognisable and yet also not recognisable because he's a total get to Mrs. Wibsey. Um, And I think it does really, really well at setting the two versions of the Doctor up against each other. Um, I think that's something that we as fans maybe dream of happening uh, um, without ever thinking of the practicalities of how it would work, is to have two versions of the Doctor battling up against each other. I know I remember reading about people saying, oh, it was going to be at one stage and it didn't happen for whatever reason, uh, a big seventh Doctor versus eighth Doctor conclusion to the Hex arc. Um, and I think it probably would have felt a little bit like this, maybe not quite the same. Um, but this walks the line pretty well between having... You know, us as fans go, oh my gosh, that's an old Doctor. Um, and having that old Doctor be a villain. Um, it certainly keeps you guessing as time goes on. Um, I did miss Tom Baker. I missed Tom Baker an awful lot out of this episode and was very glad when he eventually did turn up. Um, uh, Mike Yates, it's, it's, it's good to hear Mike back and it's good to have Unit come along as well. Um it, it, it feels like he slots back into his old role a little bit, maybe too easily. Um, it feels like he, it, it feels like almost throwing a switch between retired Mike and back in service Mike, um, where he instantly feels an awful lot more like his older, or rather his younger self. Um, and I did sort of struggle to imagine the older Mike that, you know, I have, I've previously pictured as I've been listening to these stories. Um, I was suddenly seeing a much younger, maybe slightly more Five Doctors uh, version of Mike. But it's it's a great story. It it, it gets the scale perfectly. And it's, as you say, it, uh, it's it's a real Russell T. Davies sort of mould for the story. Um, you get the villagers. Um, yeah, there's three or four of them, I think. There's the vicar. Um, there's Mrs. Whipsy's neighbours um, and her friend. Um, 
<laughs> I did think the whole thing about dropping the Welsh accent because it didn't suit the literary world. <laughs> a little bit darkly funny. But um, yes, I, I, I thought it was a great episode um, and sets up the finale very, very well. Um, it definitely does revolve around the whole mystery of the second Doctor, which, as I said, uh, you know, I've already spoken about. But um, a very, very good, very good first half. It it is great to have Noah Hughes in it, kind of pre pre fourth Doctor adventures. I, I do love the fact that she she does pop up in this because um, <laughs> obviously she goes on to be Margaret uh, Mansell. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I I thought the the second Doctor was it sort of evoked this. The TV second Doctor it didn't didn't sound anywhere near identical to me, but but that all kind of works in terms of this story. But you know, like the accuracy aside, I thought there was just some really nice decisions with the the writing and the performance. Like, yeah, there there are some clear moments where he acts out of character, and it's like a clear flag to say this isn't the Doctor, or this if it is, there's something up with him. But I thought it was. I thought he walked the line quite well in terms of you could almost believe that that was like the real doctor snapping on like a really bad day. Um, It wasn't just like so out and out over the top. This is like an, an evil villain. It was like, here's a, you know, slightly more irascible version of the real, the real doctor. Um, And in terms of like the, the dynamic with the fourth doctor, I think that sort of you know planned or speculated big finish confrontation between the seventh and the eighth would have been really interesting, but that would have been a bit more of a kind of um, like sort of explosive confrontation. Uh, I think the two doctors we have in um, in this story, uh, there's definite conflict and a clash, but it's kind of at a more human level where you know there's scenes of them just like you know sniping at each other or just being a bit suspicious or wary or annoyed at each other um and that in itself is 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 sort of an interesting thing to explore as well um and we'll come on to it with the the last episode but you know we said russell t davies finale i the the fact that there's this big time jump to the next well not big like three month time jump to the final episode, that made me think much more of um, uh, of Stephen Moffat's finales, because he would tend to do those, you know, like um, things like the Big Bang and uh, Pandorica opens, all those sorts of things. Like that, like the two halves of his finales would be quite distinct, or there'd be a big jump in time, or something will have happened off screen between them. Um, so yeah, it actually made me think more of that sort of eleventh, eleventh um, Doctor era. Uh, but yeah, um, it, it, yeah, it, and in terms of the structure again, it just builds really well to to that finale that and uh, yeah, makes you really excited about what's what's coming next. Yeah, I think really it specifically puts me in mind of um, like Sound of Drums and Last of the Time Lords, how you kind of do have the big. Uh, you know, completely story-changing cliffhanger, and then there's a time jump, but it's not too massive. It's a year in Last of the Time Lords, I think. Um, yeah, I should yeah. say three months in this. 
it's kind of that that's the one that it kind of puts me in mind of um but i kind of i kind of like how we see all of these world shattering events from the perspective of a load of old fuddy duddies in a quiet english village it's it's great um and it does continue it continues in survivors in space so we've we've kind of ended on a cliffhanger and this kind of immediately picks up it's I mean, you could argue that the whole series is a five-parter. You could argue that the other two series have been five-parters, but I think this is definitely a big two-part finale. Um, and Survivors in Space is obviously part two. It is the last of the Time Lords to part one, Sound of Drums. Um, and it's a big, big, big conclusion. Um, it's certainly bigger in scale than anything else uh, that happens in uh, Nest Cottage. We've kind of discussed how you know, in many ways, the finales to both of the previous series have been very sort of character-based. They've been very much focused on the Doctor and Mrs. Wibsey and uh, Mike and the Hornets and all that kind of thing. This is this is somewhat different. This has quite a big cast characters that we do kind of get to know and, you know, to various extents like um, as we go through and... We've got our sort of on-the-ground bad guy in the form of David Troughton's not-quite-second Doctor, who we do learn here is a clone um, and uh, was was definitely put there to cause trouble. Um, but I like the fact that he has, he has quite a nice ending. His ending is that he's going to... You know, the clones don't last long. He doesn't have long to live, but he kind of embraces his short time to be the doctor i think it's quite a nice way to send that character off and uh you know i'm going to mention again just how much i do love the performance it works excellently here it's you know it's not pitch perfect but i don't think we'll ever find a pitch perfect patrick Tratton replacement but we've heard both his sons have a go at it now and i think they're equally brilliant um i'm you know i love what david Tratton does here i think michael Tratton's excellent for big finish um and it really is one of the highlights of uh, this two-parter. Um, everyone gets good amount of stuff to do. This is no longer Doctor Light. The Doctor is back in sort of full fourth Doctor. This is uh, back in his normal full role. Mrs. Wibsey has plenty to do. Mike, uh, like you say, kind of juggles this retired and unit character. I do think he does fall back into it a little bit easy. I do agree with that. But um, that's also something that's happened for Big Finish. And I do, I quite like the idea that, you know, despite everything that happened to Mike's character in the past, he can kind of snap back into this unit's captain character that he, you know, he always has been really. Um, so Connor, talk to us about Survivors in Space. First off, I think it's a great title. Um, it sort of does call to mind the likes of Ark in Space, you know, sort of those sort of classic Doctor Who something in space titles um but survivors in space just has that sort of slightly retro um actiony feel to it um which which i really enjoy um it's a great finale um certainly to the serpent crest series and to the nest cottage series as a whole it feels like it's yes it is that slightly more action-packed um and uh less character focused uh, sort of episode compared to the other Nest Cottage finales um, but 
it's 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 good to come full circle back to uh, the Star Wars setting, um, back to the Rebel Moon and um, uh, back to the Robotoffs a little bit. Um, they make a reappearance. Alex makes uh, he he has come. He has grown up and uh, assumed his uh, rightful position as well. Um, and, and comes back in this, which is very, very satisfying to hear. Um, and certainly there's a little bit on how the Doctor and Mrs. Wibsey influenced him when he was younger um, and his memories of them playing into things, which was which was uh, very nice, very well done. Um, David Troughton's second Doctor continues to be brilliant. Um, there's a little bit where it's near the end and he's been evil and terrible, and he's brought them all into the position that they're now in, struck, you know, stranded out in space, um, where he suddenly lets out, and, oh, my giddy aunt. And it's just like, oh, that actually is the Doctor. You know, he, the way it's delivered sounds so spot on. Um, and you're suddenly reminded that this is not just any villain. This is the Doctor. Um, and it's that version of the Doctor that I, th- I think certainly, you know, certainly I felt familiar with um, and that suddenly came back just through that one line and that one delivery of that line um, so it's great it's it's a great ending I, I'm actually really disappointed and I'm really um, I'm, I'm a little bit sad that there's nothing to follow up with this I know there's been a handful of other Mrs. Wibsey audios and Mrs. Wibsey appearances but I would love there to be I would have loved them to do another series of this or another series or two um over the years i think um and i know we're going to talk a little bit about the nest cottage stuff as a whole but um i've i have loved how unique and standalone and it's own it's its own thing um, an awful lot of Doctor Who feels the need to you know or like extended media Doctor Who feels the need to tie itself into a particular TV era or it feels it has to be a certain way and do certain things. Nest Cottage doesn't do that. Nest Cottage is always very determined, no matter which of the three series you're listening to, it's always been very determined to do its own thing um, and forge its own little era, which I have really, really appreciated and would mark out as the highlight of the whole thing. I think you've got a great point there. A lot of Doctor Who tries to be Doctor Who. It sort of sets in its head, well, this is what Doctor Who is and what Doctor Who has to do, so therefore that's what my story has to do. Whereas this sort of actively explores what Doctor Who can be, how it can be different, how can it how it can sort of defy genre, how it can even have sort of a fixed setting, which has been done throughout the series. Um, obviously with sort of unit in the early 70s and that kind of thing, but I've said it a few times, I do love the idea of the Doctor just having this quiet little English village holiday home that he bobs back to every now and again. Um, So yeah, it it really does kind of explore the boundaries of Doctor Who, and Doctor Who doesn't really have boundaries, but I think a lot of people kind of invent them for themselves when they're going to make it, write it, whatever. Uh, Mansour, your thoughts on Survivors in Space? Uh, yeah, not too much more to add. The um, like, it, it, yeah, we talked about it being like a, a slightly bigger scale ending, but I think it's nice that even with that, this final episode opens with you know various conversations and arguments about what community meetings they're going to have next. 
and so yeah it never loses that kind of uh um yeah that sort of more more human uh um like view on things um and yeah i completely agree about uh you know would would love to see more of this like um yeah, I, I, I i'm assuming it's uh tom working with big finish that um well i don't know if it does it prevent it because uh because the bbc can technically do their own their own stuff if they wanted to but but for whatever reason you know we haven't had any more for a while um but yeah i would very much welcome another series of uh of nest cottage stories yeah i think it, it's it really is fair to say there's just not enough you know we've covered all three series 15 episodes and there are other sort of visits to nest cottage but they're they're not full-blown um sort of series storylines featuring tom baker even like this um but i i really really do sort of love what we have here and i think it, it maybe it's the fact that there is so little of it makes it just that little bit more special you know it, there's not a lot of it so let's let's really really enjoy what we have because it is excellent yeah it's kind of like when big finish started it was like when it was just like you know five or ten stories that were out there it it makes it just feel more special because um uh yeah like i remember those first like 10, 15 big finish stories I re-listened to several times and paid really close attention to because there were fewer of them. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, it's a, and I was thinking like, it, it's almost a shame that Nest Cottage hasn't been integrated into other stuff like Big Finish, but then actually maybe that's nice that it remains its own separate little corner of the, the universe. Um, and it doesn't, we don't need to have like a million references to it to, validate it it's just like a, a sort of uh, lovely little thing on its own i think there's one tie-in that i certainly that i'm aware of which is the fifth doctor um it's the and it's angie willow by me uh, it's the fifth doctor story from the master trilogy or the two masters trilogy um is set in hexford um but makes no other connection like that i'm aware of to the nest cottage stuff other than the fact that it is set in hexford yeah, I think it just uses the name. Um, so we'll we'll move on to discussing kind of the series as a whole. Then you know we've picked apart each episode, but you know as a run, it's definitely sort of a, a different format to Demon Quest, which was a different format to Hornet's Nest. Uh, we've almost entirely dropped narration for this one. It's still there and it's still used in sort of fairly clever ways, different ways, but it's almost entirely gone. Um, certainly compared to, you know, Nest Cottage, where great deals of it were the Doctor narrating. Um, so it, it, it's definitely sort of switched format. We have sort of a very clearly defined two-part finale. You know, it's there's a proper end of part one cliffhanger goes into part two. It kind of all ends on cliffhangers. It kind of does, you know, lead. But there is that pause. There is that pause at the end of Aladdin time where the Doctor kind of leaves to go and do something and leaves Mrs. Wibsey behind in Hexford. And that's kind of what causes the next set of events. There is that kind of pause. It's almost, almost a three-parter or a very loosely linked three-parter followed by a two-parter. Um, 
whereas we've not quite had that previously. So um, just overall thoughts. Connor, you go first. It's, it's been wonderful. I, I, the only one of these that I had heard before was Hornet's Nest. I'd heard the first series um, quite a while ago and then came back to it for, for, you know, for doing these episodes uh, with yourselves. Um, as I've said before, the thing I most appreciate about this is that it has been... It has made a virtue of being its own thing. It has made... Like, there's, there's very few references to things from outside this era as it were and it does like i'm going to use the word era because it is its own era um and i think that's what it sets out to be it sets out to be doctor who made by paul mars in uh you know 20 was 2009 2010 2011 that 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 was the times on these was i think uh i think um but uh, yes so that's that's been the best part about it, you know, having Mrs. Wibsey as a new companion. Having Mike there as an older companion um, and Tom there as an older Doctor does make it feel tied into that sort of more 1970s Doctor Who. But it just uses those building blocks to make something new and it really, really works. And it really reward. I find it a really, really uh, rewarding sort of listen. Um, I would, I would love them to do... I said earlier on, I would love them to do you know, more. I think if they were going to do more, I would maybe want a different doctor and a different era and a different situation. I think that's what Ness Cottage has is it has a situation. It's the doctor in this little holiday home with Mrs. Wibsey. Um, I, I would love them to do something slightly different, um, you know, with a different doctor or, or something, but give it that sort of very strong authorial feel. Paul Mars was the perfect writer to, you know, drive this series as a whole. Um, I think, and it's it. It reminds me a little bit as well of. It's. I'm wondering if what makes this so special and so enjoyable is that it's not Big Finish, um, because that can sound. You know, when you're listening to Big Finish, it can all sound a little bit ubiquitous and all sort of stories and sounds and cast members and whatnot you can you know it all sort of blurs into each other um i think over time because there is so much of it and certainly because i listen to so much of it that the joy of the nest cottage stuff has been it has been a different flavor it's probably because it hasn't been made by big finish and that has what has made it feel so special or at least in part um is that it's a change of pace a change of scene and a, a change of style um, I would love them to do something else that is equally different. Um, just again, that we can have that change of pace. That's what I enjoyed so much about Redacted. Um, getting to hear, you know, the 13th Doctor on audio, played by Jodie Whittaker. Um, that that was a major boon to that uh, particular series. But I know that's been the BBC's big Doctor Who project. They've done two series of it, and I still haven't heard the second one, unfortunately. But I would love them to take charge and do Doctor Who for audio in a style different to that of Big Finish, and even in a style different to that of Ness College. I think that's, um, I think that's a major gap at the moment. Is a big publicly accessible Doctor Who series um, on audio for people you know, like the podcast and radio drama sphere is booming and has been booming since covid um i think people are paying an awful lot more attention to it now than they 
have done in more recent years. So that's something I would love them to do moving forward is something similar. Similar in conception, but different in style, I think, to Ness Cottage. Um, with a doctor, just give them a brand new era and be determined to make it make it its own thing. Yeah, I think that it's it's certainly done that, and you know, as we've said repeatedly, it's not like just harked back to the past. It's not just recreated a certain era or you know nostalgia. It it has done its own thing. It's pushed ahead, and I think. Obviously, the big thing about this series when it first went out was this was the only Doctor Who with Tom Baker in it, new Doctor Who with Tom Baker in it, essentially since he, you know, since Legopolis. Um, so it, it it's kind of it's something that we kind of look back now and sort of take for granted. But not only was it, you know, new Doctor Who with Tom Baker after so long, it was also completely weird and different and original. Um, Doctor Who that did loads and loads of new, brilliant, and original things. Uh, Mansour, your overall thoughts? Um, yeah, I feel the same about it's nice to listen to something that's a different take on audio Doctor Who. And uh, I did listen to both series of Redacted. Uh, I might need to re listen to the second because uh, I heard it all in one go quite quickly uh, and maybe didn't take it in as much. But I liked series one definitely um, for I think largely for that exact reason of it. It was something just just felt very different to what you get with Big Finish, and I think that might be a particular issue for those of us who listen to a lot of Big Finish because because um, uh, yeah, the stories are distinct, but it has its own sort of um, house style or tone that that keeps uh, uh, cropping up across lots of different box sets and stories um yeah i know there's the um the bbc audio originals that they do put out relatively regularly but those tend to be more um uh, just like uh narrated or, or like you know prose read by one or two read- readers and they have played around with them a little bit, but I, I don't think they they tend to do some of the more creative approaches to um, narration that the Companion Chronicles did. Um, and actually, as a side note, that it's it's a shame that we don't really have that that big finish now. We've got the audio novels and we've got full cast, but we don't have really really have that thing in the middle that the Companion Chronicles used to fulfil. Um, and actually, probably one of the closest things to that is uh, things like the Beyond the Doctor stories, um, and uh, yeah, those occasional BBC um, single disc stories where they do they play around with the format and uh, and style a little bit more. Uh, and I think Mrs. Wibsey pops up in those or Nest Cottage at least in a in a few of those. Uh, yeah, there's a Mrs. Wibsey Beyond the Doctor. Um, which which we which we should do. I think you know we've finished Nest Cottage, but there is actually enough sort of extra Mrs. Wibsy material to kind of uh, kind of do another little look at Nest Cottage, another return. But we have now finished the three full cast series. So before we disappear, I'm going to kind of stick one last question out there, which is 
out of Hornet's Nest, Demon Quest, and Serpent Crest, which has been your favourite? So, Connor, go ahead. It's maybe because I've been listening so recently, but I think I would pick Serpent Crest. Um, Hornet's Nest was fantastic, but my personal preference for audio drama is to have as full a cast as possible and as little narration as possible. That's my, that's just my favourite sort of, of audio drama. Um, and Serpent Crest is closest to that. I think it's also... I was going to say it's the, it's the most cohesive series. That's not true. I think they're all equally brilliant stories. Um, but this one I enjoyed the most. Um, just in terms of having all those different cast members, all those different voices, um, it felt the closest to a proper BBC radio drama, Doctor Who, um, starring Tom Baker. So that's, that has been my favourite. And Mansour? Um, I find it quite hard to, to pick one. I think they've all got uh, strengths. There's not really one that stands out loads to me. Um, I, I do sort of agree to an extent about, like, yeah, this one feels the most fleshed out. This run of five feels like the most, like, a, a sort of full cast, uh, more epic story. But then I, I really like the approach of Hornet's Nest of like using that narration in a clever way of um, of like being heavily narrated with the first few stories and then like launching you into the present um, moment with the the final episode. I think that works really really well. Uh, um, I don't know if I had to pick one, maybe Hornet's Nest for just establishing Nest Cottage and Mrs. Wibsey and. Uh, and this little uh, sort of corner of the the universe, but it's very close between uh, all of them for me. But, but yeah, Mrs. Wibsey as a whole has been like a real uh, standout and strength of this series. And if, if Russell T Davies is short of ideas for spin-offs, then uh, I think we should have a, a Mrs. Wibsey Adventures TV series or, uh, as a thing to tied us over between the main Doctor Who show. I'd well watch that. That'd be excellent. Um, it, it, it is a tough choice. Like All three series are excellent. All three series have their own merits. I do think that for pretty much the same reasons that Connor laid out, um, Serpent Crest is my favourite. Um, I, I do love that finale. I love that grander scale, but I do also love the sort of claustrophobia of um of uh, hornet's nest and you know i do like the sort of location and genre hopping and playing around with narration that demon quest does and that reappearance of the hornets is excellent but yeah i think serpent crest is perhaps definitely the the highlight of the three but all great stuff you know we've we've spoken about 15 brilliant episodes of Doctor Who that have sort of done wonderful things and Tom Baker's been brilliant Susan Jameson's been brilliant Richard Franklin was brilliant um and it it is always a joy to listen to it's a joy to go back to and it's one of those things where you do pick up a little bit more hearing it second time third time um and yeah I'll always enjoy returning to them and I've got all three of them as gigantic vinyl box sets now so a vinyl nest cottage marathon may well be on the horizon 
Uh, but for now, that is all we've got time for. It's been great talking about these with you guys. And like I say, I think we should come back and kind of uh, talk about the extracurricular stuff as well. Beyond the Doctor is a wonderful little mini-series, so we should definitely uh, have a go at that. But for now, I will say uh, thank you and goodbye to Connor. Thank you. It's been it's been wonderful to talk about these stories. And thank you and goodbye to Mansour. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll be we will be back soon for more podcasting. Goodbye now. Mm-hmm.